listen, empathize, process. And then this thing we call pretotype is don't go give a solution. You know, there's some customers would actually, you know, help you build a solution. So you can pretty quickly come back and say, if I do this and if I give you this kind of experience, would that be better for you? Welcome to the CIO Exchange podcast. My name is Eugene Porter de Leon. In this episode, I sit down with Bass Geyer, VMware's CIO, the Chief Digital Transformation Officer, to discuss his views on the techniques that technology leaders are using to become customer obsessed. In this conversation, Bask talks about the responsibilities and opportunities that the CIO has regarding the customer experience, as well as fundamental topics like key distinctions that need to be made between internal and external customers. So Bask, your role has changed. What's uh, Tell me what's new. How has it evolved? What's, what's new as far as your responsibilities go? I think a CIO's role is always changing. So it's not that new to me. Every every year or every four, three years or so, things used to change. Now it looks like every six months your role has changed just because technology is such a huge enabler for almost everything a company does. So my new role is I'm leading, I'm both the CIO for VMware. I continue to do that, but I'm also the chief digital transformation officer for uh, VMware as well. And what it means is taking all the operations and the ease of doing business with customers. You know, uh, we talk about customer obsessed and so on. How do you actually deliver systems that are scalable and sustainable over a period of time? So it's combination of operations, combination of process, but a lot with technology. Because any big change we're going to do is going through digital transformation and, and technology. So we're putting the, I guess my role is how VMware talks about digital transformation, and they're saying, okay, we're going to have our guy actually do it so we can talk to customers about it. Nice. So you're not looking like you're going to be bored anytime soon. No, no, not, not bored at all. <laughs> Thank you. All right. So you touched on customer obsessed already. Is that, does that, what does that term mean to you? And is that a really relevant term with technology leaders? Well, every company talks about you know customer satisfaction, customer is a core value for VMware. So that's that concept is not new. Everybody says... Uh, you know, they want to do the right thing for customer. I can't see of too many companies who say we don't we don't want to do the right thing for the customer. <laughs> we don't care about the customer. We don't care. <laughs> That's not not too many people. But there are a few companies in Silicon Valley when I was working as advisors, there are they seem to have a different level of obsession on on customer. And and what they mean by that is, you know, we look and say, uh, what are the features customer want and what would they be willing to pay for and all those kind of terms. Whereas these guys say, I want to have happy customers. And that seems to be, that's not something taught in MBA, but the, all the way from the CEO, uh, he says, I want to have happy customers. And that really means they want to know the, they, they want to actually know the profile of a customer, right? So we, when sometimes we use customer as a general term and we don't get into specifics on, are you talking about CIO of this company? Are you talking about the head of procurement? Are you talking about the head of network? You know, what, what persona, who are you talking about? So they get into that kind of detail. They, you know, when they say a customer, they, they will say it's Basque the CIO of VMware. Here's his photograph, and here's the three things he doesn't like about doing business with us, and we got to fix it, right? That, that's kind of a different level of customer obsession. So you actually know the names, roles, and what they do, and then you walk in a, in a mile or so in the customer. So that's another iteration, another learning for our organizations so such as ours, who are very customer-focused. I mean, that's in a core value, as you know. But how do you kind of reignite and re-energize yourself to be even more focused? So that's what we are defining customer obsession is we want to not just name a large company name. We want to say it is Basque. It is head of procurement, not just head of procurement. It is so-and-so, 
uh, and this is what they look for. And I imagine there's some disconnect sometimes, especially in some organizations where you have siloed effort, you have support, you have sales, you have all these different touch points that really make up the portfolio of that customer experience. Right. And you have different personas that you're serving in each. Do you find that there's that, a disconnect where people look at that and silo a little bit too narrow and and see this is my role. I'm not going to, I'm not. And, and you see a challenge between connecting the dots between what you do and your touch the customer and then where that customer goes in that next step of, of the journey. They do. I don't think it's intentional. I think everybody's intention and every function is do the right thing. But say, you know, the feedback that we, when we deep dive, we say the customer does not feel we are a strategic advisor for the company. Say, say, say they give that feedback. That's a difficult problem to fix. So we look for other feedback that they're given. And one could be something like, you know, your website is confusing. And say we quickly jump into our website is not good. Let's go fix the website, right? Because it's something yeah. tangible it can do. Yeah. No amount of fixing the website is going to move the needle, right? So there are some no-brainers you have to do. You know, you have to treat customer with respect. You have to have easy process. You have to have good systems. The product has to be efficient. All that is given. But then what are the other three or four things? Are you really paying attention to what the customer is saying? And are you working the really tough problems? And they need not be necessarily systems. They could be systems. And especially people like me, IT and CIOs, we try to think about systems as actual it may not be a tool. It may a system in a in general definition is all the process, policies, people, approaches, etc. So have a holistic look at, at what they want. And are you working on needle movers? Right? No, I think that's really fascinating and really core to this issue because it's it can get lost in that technology versus people. Right. And it's kind of you know what's sort of the theme of what we're talking about. And, and instead of looking at one thing, I can solve that problem. I can upgrade that system. I can improve the customer experience and the click through for that particular website. Mm-hmm. To well, what's the actual full customer experience? What journey are they going on? And most of the time, it's a trust journey. They're looking right. to you. They're trying to you're trying to build trust with them. Sure. And we're all the different pieces in that journey. And yes, some of them are going to be technology, but a lot of them are really going to be human beings and how are those human beings interacting with them. And do you feel like the CIO is in a good role to be the leader of that effort to connect all the different threads and the different touch points together? I think the good ones are, because if you look at the role of a CIO, you have to be a good general manager. You have to manage budgets and projects and so on. But you have a lot of internal customers. We call them colleagues. Sometimes the colleagues are going to be more difficult to deal with than external customers, <laughs> if you can't. believe it. They can't be. You haven't gotten any emails from me yet. No, no. <laughs> but you never told me any one day that everything worked, right? I mean, nobody calls me and says, hey, Bass, thank you for making everything work today. <laughs> but I get a call right away if it doesn't. But so I think you, you give a good experience on, on orientation, uh, on listening and how to deal with that. Uh, but also from a process standpoint, I, I thought about this um, when we started our profession in IT, there was no such thing as help desk and, you know, people will come and say wireless network doesn't work or my system sucks or whatever. And we will be jumping like whack-a-mole on every one of them to fix. And we were not making progress. You know, you have to understand when you do a business or when you run IT, you are going to have problems. How you capture them, how you don't, how you manage them, how you have SLAs to fix them. And the fact that people feel like it's being addressed and communicated is probably more important as important as fixing them, right? So I had to graduate from, you know, oh, that's wireless is not working. Let me jump on it and fix it. Your printer is not working. Let me jump on it like a whack-a-mole approach to say, no, no, this is very sophisticated. I, I need to fix root causes. I need to have a way of people logging the calls and, and communicating to people how it's fixed. A lot of the customer issues are also like that. It's, it, you know, when you have a business, you're going to have problems. 
you're going to have things that are dead on arrival. There are going to be equipment that is not dropped on, on the right place. There people would want to return. People are not happy with the product that you supply, et cetera. You cannot just solve it with just, you know, let's, let's put a website, let's fix this. You know, it's good to have the urgency, but you need to have a little bit of systems process orientation. CIOs generally have a lot of process orientation. If they are successful ones, look at it from a holistic system standpoint. So mm-hmm. that's one. The other is, in, in our case, and in some cases, I am the customer as well. So I would like to know how I would be treated as a technology person. So, and <laughs> Looking out the, for yourself as well. Yeah, and a lot of the CIOs are my colleagues, right? So, so sometimes people say the customers are complaining about this. And I kind of look and say, who are you talking about? Because I can call that person. I know him well. I don't think he's going to complain about this. He's going to complain about the products or, you know, the fact that you keep changing your salesperson a lot and you're not building a relationship with exactly. them or something like exactly. that, right? So we miss those things sometimes and we go into the technology orientation to say, I think they want a, a new call center. I think they want a chat feature. They want a click-to-chat feature. We jump into that, those kind of things. And... We should do all those no-brainers. I'm not saying don't do it, but don't miss the actual voice of the customer. Don't 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 forget who the real customer is. And that is the customer obsession is another click-through. Now, if you look at some of the modern companies, it is scary how customer obsessed they are. You know, <laughs> it's like a little too obsessed. Like, you know, they're there, they show up on your door and they knock on and you open they it. They do. It is actually pretty scary. <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, it's almost like, in the, you know, when we had, when uh, there was a period, you know, we were making really poor quality cars. And so, you know, and, and the Japanese and other people had to t- teach us how to make good cars, right? But the problem these days is the car quality is so good. So you have to be exceptional. I mean, you know, it's a given that the car has to be a high quality, yeah. right? So like that, your know, customer satisfaction, handling the customer is just a given. I mean, you can't even do business on day one without it. And then you have people who are obsessed and raise the bars that high. Yeah, that's why it's complicated. So, for us. so that's moved actually because it is. It's like the things that used to be table, things that used to be like going above and beyond. Like, oh, let's ask our customers what they want. Now it's like that, that's just that's ridiculous. Yeah, it's, whatever it's we're doing is a thousand people doing it. So yeah. what else are you going to do to be mm-hmm. more obsessed? It's almost a race to that kind of experience, end-to-end experience. Walking. Sometimes the 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 actual customer may not even say that. Right. It's good if sometimes people complain. Mm-hmm. They just may not even say that. So you have to have empathy to kind of walk in their shoes and, and you know, get that kind of information. You're not going to get it from surveys necessarily, right? Yeah. So so that's why it becomes very complicated for us. Yeah, and so I like that. Let me pull on that thread of empathy yeah. too. And when you're in sort of the technology leader, uh, there is a tendency to people come to you for a specific ask, like, well, this system, this <laughs> website. And and do you find that one of the big challenges is to redirect them and say, hey, look, at, let's actually, let's experience empathy. Uh, and and you can, you know, sort of then be the, you know, the one who's leading that effort to say, hey, let's, let's, let's turn this on its head and let's talk about empathy and let's talk about, you know, the human element, the people part uh, instead of the technology part. It is difficult two ways because, you know, the IT folks are not necessarily known for empathy and they have to... <laughs> Show their side to, to them. So there is a little bit of, you know, you yeah. need to develop those skills. Is that a shift now? I mean, is that demanding now? Is that the new table stakes? Is, is you have to come in with empathy it, with. It know. is It is demanding. And the stereotype of the, you know, we've seen the Saturday Night Live uh, stereotypes of IT guy, your yeah. local IT guy who comes and just pushes you aside and fixes things. Completely changed. The business has completely changed. You know, it is very important to walk in a customer's shoes, which is which is empathy. I think it can be trained, but I think it'll be good if you, you know, some people are born with empathy and it's always good to find some, you know, diverse talent which have technical skills, IQ and EQ and this empathy skills. So you have to look for a broad variety of people. The difficult part that even I had to learn is it's very difficult to listen 
you know, because we know so much about technology. And so when you're talking something, I'm already thinking solutions. So when you say, I find it difficult to deal with you, I'm thinking, oh, you need a video conference, mm-hmm. right? Quickly, I go into a solution <laughs> mode. So we have to slow down and say, let me just listen to this person. What is he saying from communication? Let me listen to this person and then develop that empathy and can at least for the first day just document and listen to it. And then second or third day, mm-hmm. we can start thinking solutions. So I I am going through that experience myself is to say, don't jump to solutions. Uh, listen, empathize, process and then this thing we call prototype is don't go give a solution. You know, there's some customers would actually, you know, help you build a solution. So you can pretty quickly come back and say, if I do this and if I give you this kind of experience, would that be better for you? Mm-hmm. It's a totally different way of interacting. No, no, no. We ask, we say a customer complains and then we go start building a system, mm-hmm. right? And six months, seven months later, yeah. we deliver a system and the yeah. customer says, that's not what <laughs> I asked Tell me what for. the issue is. All right, I've got the spec. Let me waterfall this and then out comes something that is unrecognizable. That's right. <laughs> that's right. So I think, I think you know, surprising how much feedback customers give these days of online and so on. Customers are actually dying to tell us, uh, you know, how we can fix the processes or, or tools or products. You know, it sounds very simplistic, but, you know, I found it very difficult to listen. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. My, my wife reminds me every day <laughs> that I should listen before I solve. Uh, but you have to learn the skill. I mean, I think yeah. that is empathy. And then your your team has to be empathetic to that. And then uh, then you can start, you know, just wait. A few, don't be too slow, but don't be in such a hurry to solve the problem before you understand it, right? Yeah. And do you have a couple stories of, you know, of things that kind of come to mind when you're looking at, you know, that empathy and you've sort of redirected the conversation or even just redirected yourself? even not, not only somebody else, to say, hey, look, here was the technical issue. And let's actually change this conversation. And instead of creating a tool that no one's going to use, let's actually create an, an experience yeah. that's going to be valuable. Very different mindset. Tool, useless, experience, valuable. There, there's a process to do that. You know, If you just start redirecting as a way of postponing work, that doesn't work. So First, you have to, so I'm talking about in, you know, internal customers, if you will. In fact, I stopped using the term internal customers because when you t- use the term internal customers, you're actually demeaning the role of the paying customers. Mm-hmm. So there's only two type of people. Is one is the paying customer and the rest of us are colleagues, right? So what tends to happen is if you have an internal customer service kind of mentality, you will come to me and say, Basque, I need a website. I talk to the customer. They think our website sucks. We need a website. So immediately I jump to build a website. Mm-hmm. When I start my relationship with you, I have to empathize with you and build some trust and, and, uh, and relationship with you to redirect. So mm-hmm. I have to come back to you and say, I hear you. I, you know, sometimes I even build it a few things just to build the relationship, right? But then, hey, I want you to make you really successful. Yeah. And the real success is the paying customer should be delighted. So the NPS score has to change. Mm-hmm. And so let me sign up for the NPS with you. The net promoter score, you know, I, I just don't want you to be accountable. I will be accountable with you. And can we work on something bigger to find out what the real issue is? Uh, that requires a little bit of maturity to have the conversation. A lot of IT professionals are not comfortable because it feels like you're saying no. Mm-hmm. And you're not saying no. You're going to you, you're saying, I want to be aligned to your customer's customer. Right? I want to be aligned to what would make really you widely successful and enable it. And this may not be this one. So yeah. they so, want to go check a box. Boom, you're on it. Done. Yeah. They don't want to say, you know, give you access, let you build trust, which right. is what the experience that the, That's the right. customer really needs. But it's, it is a process. If, if you're a new CIO and you're coming into an organization and say, hey, let's let's take a break, let's just think about this journey and so on, the people you won't have credibility to pull it off. So there are a few quick hits you have to deliver, which I had to do, 
And then you earn a, your right to have that conversation with your internal colleagues to say, can, can we really turn the thing on? Let's just take a challenge and turn this on completely <laughs> rather than building it for you. So it takes a little bit of maturity. And I think one thing that helps is, you know, calling people colleagues. Colleagues have to be respected. Colleagues doesn't mean you disrespect them, but you're not the customer. Mm-hmm. And I, because I think the customer is is the king and, and you can't serve like 5,000 kings, yeah. you know, internally <laughs> to satisfy. So that's the thing I had to go through is to say, you know, IT is an enabler. And, uh, you know, IT from just being a service has gone more and more part of the business. So the business folks are also looking at leadership from from you, right? They don't, the, the true um, leaders are not looking at you to just jump and take orders. They're saying, help me be successful. Yeah. So they want ideas. They want to collaborate with you. So, when you bring your team into that mode, is that is there some uh, discomfort? Are they feeling like they're outside of their comfort zone? Because instead of like, you know, like I, I know, you know, I had a great conversation with Vipple and he, yeah. of ADP and he's like, you know, they got uncomfortable when we said, you know, they're used to being told how to do it. You know, here, you do this and then, out, you know, it comes output instead of saying, you know, how, this is the result we want. This is the trust that we want to build. These are the relationships we want to build. How do you think we should do that? So, see, it's very comfortable if you give me a requirement and I just meet it. So we get comfortable into, you tell me exactly what you want. I'll tell you how long it takes. I'll develop and give it to you. So IT gets comfortable into this order-taking kind of mentality, right? Because it's comfortable. And if, if, uh, if you wanted a website, I gave you a website. Well, if you don't improve your customer satisfaction, that's your problem, right? <laughs> so a little bit as we hide behind that, you know, you told me. Mm-hmm. The second thing is we don't know how to push back. We don't have, know how to have a conversation, you know. So we go binary. Either we are completely subservient, we do everything that you ask us to do. Or we go completely, you know, the other way to say you don't know what you're talking about, and 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 this so this is, requires a finish where you talk as a peer and still be respectful, but have a meaningful conversation. You're not the boss. We're trying to solve a problem together for for the external customer, so that requires finesse, right? And then I think it requires a little bit of shades of gray, and most people are uncomfortable with shades of gray, so it requires a little bit of training from people. I, I've had experience when I told people. Have a point of view. Don't just take orders. Stand up, stand straight, and say this is the right thing to do. And then I've seen some really rude behaviors <laughs> because they said you, you said yeah, you said you said I was supposed to stand up and tell what I thought, and I did, and, and what I thought about you. And it was like, well, yes, but there's always a better way. If you have children, you know that there's a good way of expressing your feelings. That's right, <laughs> and exactly. Then, and then there's a more you know uh, there's a not so productive way. Of and expressing a lot of your IT feelings. folks. I mean, I'm generalizing here. The IT uh, community has changed considerably, and this is why inclusion and diversity is important. Is we came from a list of um, technical people, and we still have a lot of technical people, and programmers, and so on. Well, programming is very black and white. Is there if, then, else, and you write this. So we tended to attract those kind of people to say, be very specific, tell you what you want, give me a start and end, we'll finish it. But IT has also changed. You're including um, a, a diverse, rich set of folks. You know, uh, We spend a lot of time on empathy. You, I believe you cannot build good customer experience or applications without empathy. Because you need to, you know, the whole user experience or UX that we call it is empathy. Yeah. No, right? that's a good way. I mean, you're yeah. not expressing, you know, you're expressing empathy through code. They're, exactly. Yeah. So there are some software where you click and say, well, how did these guys know what I want? <laughs> yeah. Well, that is empathy, right? So they say, well, you're going to look at the right corner. You're going to click this. You're going to navigate through a logical way. That's empathy. So if you don't have it, it'll be like, how stupid can you be? You know, I've given you such a simple system and you haven't attended my training course and you haven't gone through my change management program. It's your fault. I mean, that's the that's how a non-empathetical person would, would listen to. But 
these days, you know, you have ten thousand apps on the on the apps or millions of apps on the mm-hmm. uh, app store and 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 so on. Nobody gives me training on those. Mm-hmm. You know, you click it; it has to use. So the, the consumer standard is what is enterprise is expecting. So, mm-hmm. unfortunately, even though we offer training and and all these kind of things, you have to assume that like ninety uh, percent of the people are not going to follow that training, or yeah. they're not going to attend it. They're not going to open the manual. Well, I mean, like the new experiences, you get an iPhone, and I remember I, the first iPhone I got. I'm like, well, where's the manual? Yeah, <laughs> and because that's my old school talking. Yeah, but it's, it doesn't come with a menu. And that's no. the whole point because yeah. it's it's built with just empathy. This, hola, <laughs> yeah, yeah, hola. There you go, hola. Okay, let's get going. And, and I mean, and that's I guess that's what you want that that empathy expressed in code experience to be is that a system that's built you know with that person in mind. So you don't have to go through four hours of training and and have a manual on your desk. You just go and you use it. Yeah, I, I think that's what it, and that has to reflect on everything we do. It has to reflect on the products we develop you know, both internally and externally, but it has to reflect on how easy it is to do business with us, mm-hmm. right? It should be, it should be, you know, brainless to do yeah. business. We, you know, we, we can't say, do you remember your purchase order? Do you remember this? Do you remember mm-hmm. what's the, what's the, what's the, <laughs> what's the UPC? What are yeah, the code that you have yeah, to buy you the have, software? Do you have, and you have like, you know, that, that call, the automated call voice things, like make sure that you have your UPC number. No, ready, no, what you know? UPC? No, <laughs> click, download, you're done, right? So I think, uh, the, your question about how can CIOs influence that? CIOs develop a lot of these things internally as well, and they have a big role in playing externally because the world works through digital these days. I mean, I cannot think of too many analog companies. Mm-hmm. Every company is almost a digital kind of company. Yeah. If you are the digital leader for your company, you know it's a good uh, opportunity for you to take lead uh, and and develop that. And and most CEOs are looking for that kind of leadership from the CIO. Mm-hmm. And, so, and does it look like, I mean, just on that point, does it look like all companies, you know, and it's it's a bit of a cliche, but it's, it has some truth that all companies are becoming software companies, becoming technology companies to a certain extent. And people look at tech as, you know, as just as a single uh, category. But do you see that really changing that since technology is enabling, you know, the sales relationship, it's enabling the, you know, the, the purchase order relationship. It's, it's really that the best companies are just, technology companies are just going to become the best companies. They're not going to be tech. It's really, there's going to be, it's going to be indistinguishable, you know, this finance company. They're, they're all technology and no longer is technology the point. It's about that customer experience and that relationship. And it's enabled by technology. So those best companies are going to become. The to- totally. I think you got the essence of it, right? I mean, the technology is invisible in the sense. I mm-hmm. mean, you don't go and say, I'm going to roll out this product to improve my uh, customer experience. You do improve the customer experience and then this becomes a process by, you know, how you do it. And also, you know, it's be strange for a software company to say it, you know, if you just go and say, let me buy the software, that's going to fix all my problems. (laughs) I've heard that before. Yeah, I wish it was that simple. It's never that simple. I think software and technology is a big part of it. So that's why digital is becoming so important. But you still have to, you know, the process, the people. And, and we never talk a lot about the people product. People are going to be critical. You know, you need really people who are technical, business savvy, empathetic, collaborative. You know, you're looking for, you know, stars. And we are all competing for the same resources. Not only CIOs are competing with each other for the resources. Every R&D company and startup is competing for those kind of resources. So you have to make it attractive for them to, to come. It's not about size anymore. I don't. I think it's not like I have ten thousand people, so I can do a better job. You know, mm-hmm. the two hundred people probably you can do a much much better job than a company with ten thousand. So in fact, in fact, sometimes the size actually gets into your way of of delivering you know high quality products. 
So then how do you differentiate? It's just, you know, you need to have two, 200 superstars. Well, so does every other company. And, so, <laughs> and I'm competing with VMware, right? All mm-hmm. the R&D guys in VMware want to hire the best. And I have to kind of sneak and, and steal a few people from R&D to come and work <laughs> on, on systems. So it becomes a talent, becomes a, you know, a big challenge for yeah, us. Yeah, and so that employee experience, sounds like that relationship, employee experience, that trust journey that the employees go on, that's what really leads to that customer success enablement, that customer trust, that customer experience. So connecting employees employee experience and customer experience. I know, is, it, is that a, a big theme right now in the conversation with technology leaders? Ex- how uh, employee experience is connected to customer experience? Well, I measured on two things. I'm actually putting it on the, li- on the line is there's one, this NPS, the, the customer score, right? Well, I'm not the only person accountable for it. There's an army of VMware employees, including, you know, the people who make the products, the people, the salespeople and so on. So I can, uh, I would, I'm definitely the one who's going to take the blame if it doesn't improve. <laughs> if it if it improves, then all of us get credit, to mm-hmm. be honest. That's how we want to looking at it is, is that's one measure. Same thing on employee experience. So you look at employee experience. I used to think employee experience just means people want better laptops or emails or so on. So I focus a lot on better collaboration tools and, and better conference rooms and so on. All that is important. I mean, don't get me wrong. But then people are complaining about there are too many systems. They are not interconnected. Or I don't like the policy where I have to do eight eight kind of levels of approvals before I can get a headcount. Or I don't like that my the credit card I use is not accepted in these countries. They call it systems. Mm-hmm. So initially, I, w- I was thinking, well, that is not really my problem. I didn't pick the credit card. The procurement <laughs> guys did it or whatever. But then when you take a holistic experience, say, I want to improve the ENPS score, the internal NPS score for nice. employees. Then you have to almost walk in the same journey to say, what do they not like about it? And I'm surprisingly, these days, the the software tools are getting better and better. So the conference tools actually works. The email actually works. They were not too long ago. Those things didn't work. The basics didn't work. With the, with the, with the help of cloud and the modern technology, a lot of those things work. But it's beyond that. If people still, still say the policy is not good. And they're looking at me, since I'm the one who rolled the system, to say, why does it take eight levels of approvals to approve this purchase order? Yeah, so you're in a unique position, just like a lot of other technology leaders, to affect that kind of change across all the different, because there's, I mean, there's nowhere that technology doesn't touch. Right. And so you, you know, if once the CIO in an organization or the technology leader in the organization starts to embed empathy into the operation, it sounds like, I mean, based on a lot of what you're saying, that that, that permeates throughout the organization and that provides an opportunity to really move the needle when it comes to, you know, creating systems through empathy. It is, and also collaboration, right? I mean, it's if you go into say it's my system and my, it's not. It's it's it, systems are democratized, right? Mm-hmm. So you need to work with the finance teams to build the tools that they need to make themselves successful. But it'll be good for CIO to play the role of I'm looking at the employee experience holistically, and it's not to make 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 you look like a hero or to be, but it's to it's to coordinate and collaborate and be a mentor for that or be a champion. Then people will rally behind you. If it if it make it looks like you're the ones who's going to be you know taking all the credit, then you become the lightning rod for all the problems. <laughs> I don't think one group can fix it. So I always mm-hmm. believe that the good IT department is a kind of a universal enabler. You know, the marketing function needs you, finance needs you, uh, sales needs you, R and D needs you, and if you can play an agenda free and collaborative kind of role, in addition to having that empathy, 
I think your your chances of being successful in this day and age is much higher. Yeah. So like the CIO like creates the campfire, they get the, the yes. graham crackers and the marshmallows and the chocolate, and then everyone else comes together and makes the s'mores. Right? That's right. So that's what you're saying. And and but but be authentic. You know, don't make it. You know, people see through. Um, you know, fake kind of campfires and make it authentic. And you have to play that senior statesman kind of role because people are looking for somebody to create that environment. Right. So I think I find that a very comfortable. position for a CIO to play is to say, let me be the universal enabler for you to enable better employee experience. Because, you know, um, that's going to be a differentiator from a talent standpoint. You know, you're not going to work for a company where the laptops don't work or the, you know, VPN access doesn't work or the wireless doesn't work right. And those are all table stakes now. Uh, not that we've gotten it perfect, but we're definitely focused on, you know, looking at, you know, what can we do about reducing the number of clicks But when we talked about all these tools, we missed a few things on, you know, it's a, people are talking a lot more about tools. So now mm-hmm. we are kind of re-clicking and then having a, you know, we just came from a review where we're looking at, look at the total employee experience. And there are 60 things to do that are just process related. And mm-hmm. it's not in the IT bucket. Yeah. But, but we have to work with the different functions to explain to them how frustrating this is. And we need to shepherd that and make sure those are implemented. That's still in the yard. And so uh, maybe just to kind of, to 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 wrap up the conversation here what do you think you know looking out into the future and i know we're, we've we've talked about sort of what that you know 2000 day roadmap looks like what's that world in 2025 going to look like what do you think is missing from that technology leader conversation right now and that's you know not just on a technology level but a people and process level um, across the organization what do you think is missing from that conversation what are people not talking about right now that they should be talking about to kind of to get them where they need to be whether it's being customer success customer at the center of everything What's missing from that that conversation? So one big thing is, I did mention talent and war of talent, every, war on talent. Everybody talks about those. What I'm finding is the best talent work want to work for a company with a mission. You know, so even your department should have a mission, which in, you know includes the company vision, if you will. Uh, you need to have good leadership. You know, people are joining. I would not work for a bad leader. Mm-hmm. You know, I, there used to be times when you used to work for anybody as long as they paid you the money. <laughs> I mean, those days are gone. So I'm not, and I'm not even a millennial, right? Yeah. Uh, the next generation of people want to work for good people and good leaders. So if people are missing a uh, few elements of what it means to create a great organization. You know, it's it's an empathetic leader, uh, somebody who who is, uh, makes the decisions and calls, but it's not a uh, complete. Uh, you know, makes doesn't make all directive decisions. Somebody's a good mentor, teacher, but ment- uh, not just a coach, but they also play the game, right? You don't want somebody to sit in a in an ivory tower and just be a um, uh, coach. You want yeah. the coach to play when there's yeah. some problems. <laughs> Armchair quarterback. Uh, yeah, you don't want that. <laughs> so I think there are some things change. And then inclusion uh, is something I want to talk very highly about. You know, when you're on war on talent, uh, all of us are going and recruiting the same kind of people. Mm-hmm. And then there's, so the war is even more intense. And But there's a whole world of people we're excluding, mm-hmm. right? And and it's underrepresented minorities. Uh, women is improving, but not quite where it should be. Uh, and... Uh, You know, we are in in Silicon Valley. People talk about this. This is the elephant in the room. There's ageism, yeah. right? So, mm-hmm. uh, uh, so you cannot just say all new ideas just come from you know a certain age group. You have to have multi age um, group and 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 kind of bridge that. You know, ideas come from everywhere. So when you look at that broadly, there is enough um, room to hire talent. There are a lot of very willing, able people who are underrepresented who are dying to come and work in a good company. 
that's what is missing is I think we are talking about inclusion diversity more as a legal kind of terms rather than this is really critical mm-hmm. because, you know, you need all the best talent you can get and they come from all walks of life and you want to create an environment where the best want to come and work. Yeah, I think it's, it's just checking your biases at the door because we all have them. You got to do that, but it takes a little bit. I mean, there's statements we can make, but you're calling the elephant in the room and say, we're not doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's going to be a differentiator. I honestly believe that looking at unusual places to recruit talent and the usual kind of places uh, is going to be a good differentiator. And so uh, a lot of focus on inclusion diversity is something, I mean, I'm not saying we're the best at it, but we're definitely at least calling on it and say that's a place we should improve. Nice. Right. Well, Bask, thanks for joining the CIO Thank Exchange you. podcast. Thank you. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to the CIO Exchange podcast. For more conversations with technology leaders from around the world, consider subscribing to this podcast. And to get video perspectives and deep research, visit vmware.com slash CIO.